to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, crisis management, COVID, resilience, anything that's relatable to those topics. And it's anything that helps you, your corporation, or your community plan for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If there is a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show or you'd like to be a guest, please feel free. Go to my LinkedIn uh, page for Alex Fullick. I'm the only one on there, so you can't miss me. You know, Send me a message and I will respond to uh, everything and we'll see about getting you on the show or finding someone to talk about the topic you'd like us to uh, touch on. Longtime listeners, especially the Voice America uh, people, will know that I talked about the Business Continuity Institute Virtual World Conference in 2020, uh, held in November, that I would be presenting there, and that I hope to be able to get some of the other speakers at that conference to come on the show and talk about their topics and share their ideas. And today is one of those days. So I'd like to welcome to the show and uh, on the topic of uh, the BCI, CPD, and mentoring, and we're going to find out what all that is today with Russ Paramore. Russ, welcome to the show. Good morning. Now, we have uh, literally have people around the globe listening and watching. Um, So could you take a a minute or two and uh, tell us about yourself, what you do, and how you got into this industry as well? Yes, that's fine. Um, So I uh, was formerly a police officer in the UK, a job I did for 30 years. Um, and uh, had many uh, sort of adventures through that, uh, got involved with a lot of high-profile work, um, did some national work, um, was the uh, coordinator for uh, victim recovery uh, at one time and worked in uh, sending police officers over to the uh, tsunami in uh, 2005. Uh, so I got that sort of work and did some uh, some high-profile political and royal visits uh, and generally um, had a good 30 years. Um, I retired from the police in uh, 2010, and at that stage um, I decided to, uh, to get further employment and I went to work for the Fire and Rescue Service um, in the UK. Uh, and I got a job as an emergency planning officer, um, something that I was sort of quite familiar with from the police days. Um, and I was also on my first day in, I was given a big pile of papers that said uh, business continuity. Uh, and uh, just just the, the encouragement that you need, sort that out. Um, so um, that was my, my first sort of introduction to business continuity. Um, so I did a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of background work on that um, and I got a 120 page document down to two and a half pages uh, within about three months uh, and then sort of started again and, and built on that. So the business continuity only started 10 years ago. Uh, so what I've done since then, I've progressed the BC with the uh, with this the fire service. I've gone on to to the uh, to chairing the National Fire Chiefs Council Business Continuity Group, and uh, generally it now forms a big part of of my day. Um, so um, I, I I do actually have my own consultancy business as well now, um, which sort of complements all, all the other things that I do. Gee, for someone who retired uh, back in 2010, uh, you kind of have a lot on your plate. <laughs> I like to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, don't think, I don't think I'll ever retire properly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of tough to do that these days, you know, just walk away from something. It's interesting how you, you came into business continuity, though, had uh, a bunch of stuff uh, dumped on in, in front of you. That's exactly how I, I came into it, too. Just, just here. Like, what's this? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I do find that that, um, and we'll talk about mentoring later. But the, a lot of the people that come into into the mentoring schemes are people that have either just been employed to do a BC job that's never done it before, or somebody's just been given a sideways move. Um, so that that that's tends to be the way that mo there's not many people go through college and university and say, I want to be a business continuity manager. Um, and and I, I think it, it tends to stem from other things. Uh, it's true. After uh, um, just shy of four years of interviewing a couple of hundred people now, you know, uh, uh, from all around the globe, uh, the vast majority have said the same thing. You know, I didn't go to school for this. It just kind of fell in my lap. <laughs> Including me, I'm one of those people too. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the first part uh, that we're going to uh, chat about today, and that is CPD. What is CPD? You know, and to stand for, and you know, can you explain it? Yeah. So CPD is simply Continued Professional Development. Um, so basically, um, it, it involves people who are wanting to do something in their, in their own work life. Um, they're wanting to improve themselves. They're wanting to achieve something. Um, and, and they generally just want to understand things better and do things better and, and, and uh, gain more knowledge about the subject, which, the subject area which they're actually working in. Um, so that's that's what it is. Um, so in order to to get that sort of additional understanding, uh, there, there are various ways that, that you can do that, um, and, and there are some simple simple ways: attending conferences, um, listening to, to key speakers, um, going to seminars, uh, listening to webinars. The BCI are particularly keen on on CPD. Um, and through the BCI, there is a there is a method of recording your continual professional development, um, and it, it does allow you to to um, to track all the all the learning that you've done um, and accumulate so many hours o over over the the year. Um, but it's it's about that networking. It's about taking part in webinars. Um, 
it being involved in exercises and actually doing things. Um, and it, it literally is all CPD is, is, is actually enhancing the learning that you've already got. So why, why does CPD exist in the first place then? Because if that's, you know, part of it sounds like, you know, your daily business as usual role for, for many people. So how does CPD um, uh, or why does it exist, you know, above and beyond that? What, what's it doing for you? It, 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 gives you, it gives you the opportunity to, to concentrate on getting that wider experience that if, if you were just doing your business continuity role at work and there was one or two other people there that were doing a similar role, then you, you, you talk to them and you bounce off them and you, you get the information. Going through CPD actually makes you concentrate on, well, I do need to do some seminars. I do need to go to some conferences. I need to go to a BCI chapter meeting um, and listen to what other people are doing. And it gives you that rounded experience of all different uh, private and public sector areas. Um, and, and somebody may have, have dealt with a particular incident and you listen to that. And then six months later down the line, the same incident or a similar one happens in, within your own organization. And, and you get that additional, I can remember that, somebody sent, said about this and this is what they did and it didn't work. So let's not try that, let's try something different. Mm. So it's all about that wider networking and, and building up your, your contacts, uh, people that you can actually um, get in touch with at short notice and say, does anybody know about this? Um, and, and, and every time you go to a meeting or you go to a, a, a chapter event or a, a conference, you meet new people and you get those contacts uh, and you learn something new every time. So would I be correct in saying that uh, BCI CPD helps you not just enhance your own um, uh, knowledge, but build the knowledge for your own organization or, or wherever it is you work, you know, so that you kind of don't experience some of the negative things other organizations have experienced, but you can also uh, experience some of the positive things from, from others that you may not experience if you weren't part of this network. Oh, def definitely so. Uh, if, I, if I sat at work uh, within the fire service waiting for a business continuity incident to happen, I might, I might have uh, three or four a year. Uh, and the rest of the time I'll be sat there twiddling my thumbs. But actually going out there, um, and, and even at the, this time when we, we're stuck inside for most of the time and, and due to the COVID, it's actually given me a real good opportunity to dial into many more seminars and conferences than I would normally. Um, so it, it, it's, been it's been really beneficial from, from that point of view. Just out of curiosity, why do we track this though? Why does the BCI, you know, if you know, why does the BCI need to know that, you know, I, that Russ and I are meeting today? You know, what, what's in it for them? What, what, what does the CPD do for uh, BCI? Right. So, so the BCI uh, have a, a membership scheme um, and there are various grades within the membership scheme. Um, so when you first join, you join as an, as an affiliate member and you then progress and you go through the, the grades and you can go through, uh, up to, through membership and into, into fellowship. Um, in order to 
progress through the grades, you have to demonstrate that you're actively involved in business continuity. And, and that actually, the CPD log on the BCI website allows me to enter not just not just the meetings and things like that that I do too, but all mentoring I do, it allows me to uh, show when I've been involved in particular BC incidents, exercises. So, so what it's doing for me is actually keeping a record of, of, of my history. So when you come to the, the grade of a fellow, uh, which I, I only achieved last year, you have to demonstrate 10 years worth of, of business continuity uh, progression. Um, well, actually just trying to remember all that would be really difficult. So to be able to, to look back on your history is, is really useful for that. And I think today counts too, if I recall. I was chatting for an hour today. So <laughs> I don't know how many points it is, but I think it counts for something. You know, have, you, have you been interviewed or participated in something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to record too many hours. I think you only actually have to record about 24 hours a year. I think for the last three years, I've recorded over 300 hours. So um it, I, I, but I do a lot that's you know I, and I tend to record what I do uh, just out of curiosity you mentioned the um the grades uh of member membership um with with those grades and I think you kind of touched on it I would assume that CPD um requirements would vary for these membership grades correct like you'd have yeah. to attend more things if you want a higher grade. Yeah, there's, there's, there's different, um, there are different criteria. Uh, and it's not just about the recording of the CPD. It's about, did you go to a conference? Yes, you might have. Have you ever organized a conference? Have you delivered at a conference? Uh, it, it breaks things down into a lot of different areas. And, and so for a member you may only have to say that you've attended so many events and, and, and one thing or another, but to, for a fellow, they want to show that you're actually passing on that knowledge and, and telling other people about things, um, delivering um, maybe messages into the community. And, and there's all sorts of different aspects. Fellow, fellow you've got to have 10 years. Um, and, and for membership, it's three years. Uh, and, and for associate member, it's only one year. So obviously, if you're just going for the, the associate member, uh, all you've got to do basically is say, I've got a job in business continuity and I've, I've looked at a couple of BIAs and a plan. Um, and, and you've got it sufficient there to say that actually you're active. So you, it, it just makes it more, I don't want to use the word challenging, but um, there are more, uh, you have to have a bigger resume, <laughs> let's say, that you, to, to get some of the higher levels, right? Which is a natural progression over over if you if you've been doing it for ten years, then obviously you've you've done that. Uh, because I would I would say that if you if you're not really into business continuity and it's not your favourite subject, you probably aren't going to stop in it for ten years. Yeah, and, and tracking and monitoring the CPD helps validate that you know I meet all this require these requirements for um, FBCI or NBCI. You know, whichever one yeah. meet these requirements, and here's all my proof in the CPD. Yeah, that's that's <clears> right. It's it's an easy way of, of actually recording things and 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 like you say for myself, actually remembering what I've done. Mm -hmm. I, I keep a full file folder now 
Um, and uh, if I attend a webinar, I keep a, uh, you know, a, some sort of uh, proof that I was there so that, uh, you know, if I have to provide any information, it's like, great, here's my entire folder. Here you go. Here's all these confirmations or certificates or whatever the case may be, you know, confirmations of membership and things like that. And there we go. All done. You know, that's right. Because if I don't, you know, uh, you said it earlier, you know, I, I wouldn't remember what I did for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's right. But I mean, you've got to think as well, there are also a lot of business continuity practitioners that have probably never even been involved with the BCI. But I know I get this with some of the mentoring as well, is he actually talked to people. And, and the one thing I always tell them to do is make sure you record what you're doing. Don't matter where you do it, how you do it, whether it's on a, on a system or in a folder, that don't matter. You need to be able to look back on what you've done and, and, and what you've learned from that. And on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking uh, with Russ Paramore today, and he was speaking at the BCI Virtual World Conference in November 2020 on his topic of the BCI, CPT, CPD, and mentoring. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, Small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to the Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. 
Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about uh, the BCI, CPD, and mentoring with Russ Paramore, who presented at the BCI Virtual World Conference 2020 in November. Uh, Russ, you've mentioned this word a couple of times uh, already today, uh, mentoring. What is mentoring? Okay, well, mentoring is quite simply helping somebody else to, to improve uh, their own personal circumstances and the business work. Um, so mentoring is a, is a, a one-to-one. Um, so it involves somebody who wants to try and achieve something um, and, uh, or, or, the, or in fact, they've been given a task to do uh, through, the, through the work. Um, and they may be uh, not quite sure the best way to progress. Um, and they then can, uh, can look for a mentor, uh, somebody to help them. Sometimes this just happens naturally in the workplace. So it may be that they're, they're working with somebody who, who, who's able to do that. Uh, on other occasions, particularly with business continuity, because a lot of organizations may only have one business continuity manager. So then they may need to look elsewhere to try and find the, uh, the information that they need. Uh, and mentoring is just a, a way of two people talking to each other and helping the mentee to progress through the work life. Now, does the um, mentor need to be someone in the business continuity industry or can it be anybody? You know, I, I would assume somebody in the industry might be better positioned, but, um, you know, which is, what do, what do you think? Right. So, um it's not 100% needed um, because what you actually do, if you once you form this relationship, you actually are looking at the needs of the individual. So if that individual is doing something, uh, for instance, a guy in the uh, in the US last year um, was looking to achieve um, certification for his company for uh, ISO 27001, which is the, the ICT standards. Um, he was, he came to me um, to be mentored in that. Uh, and and his, his sole aim was to be able to achieve the certificate to say that they were certified to 27001. I'm not an IT person. Um, but I can read the regulations, I can read the standard, I know what the, the standard requires. But it was more about helping him to achieve what he needed to do. So he would be looking at a specific area and saying, I need to do this, but I don't really know how to do it. And it's about talking things like that through with people and allowing them to come up with their own solutions as a result of our conversation. The, the mentoring is all about the mentee. And, and I would never turn to somebody in a mentoring situation and say, you, miss, you must do this. This is what you have to do. It's about exploring what they need to do and then for them to come up with the solutions and also them to come up with the timeframes as well. Now, I was going to touch on that. I was going to ask you, you know, what's, what are some of the characteristics of a good mentor and how, you know, how do you recognize uh, someone that's 
you're not going to be a good mentor. And you kind of skimmed the surface a little bit there uh, on that. Okay, so so in, in order to be a mentor, you've got to, firstly, you've got to be a really good listener. You've got to be able to sit there for an hour and hardly say a word and just listen to what people are saying. And just putting the odd question in, similar to the, the interviewing that you're doing now, where you will ask a question and then you expect me to speak for a few minutes. It's that sort of situation in a mentoring situation where they're actually saying, I need to do this. And I might say, well, how do you think you might achieve that? And then they might talk for five minutes about what they might do. And they might come up with various ways. And then my next thing would be, well, in that case, which one of those do you think would work best? Which would you like to try? And then they talk again. So it's, it's, you've, got to, you've got to be really good at listening. You've got to be very positive. What the last thing the mentee wants to hear is, well, that's really difficult that. It's going to take you two years to do that. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear that, and I might be thinking that, I might be thinking, well, that piece of work that they're just talking about there is probably going to take two years. But what I might be doing is saying to them, <clears throat> we need to do that in very bright, uh, bite-sized chunks. So what do you think you need to do first? Let them talk about that. And then potentially say, well, okay, uh, and agree on they're going to do a certain thing over the next six weeks. And then we'll meet again, and then we'll talk about it again, and then we'll see what we need to progress to. And the whole process may take two years, but actually, if I just turn around to somebody at the beginning and say, that's really difficult, it's going to take you two years, you, they're just going to switch off. So you've got to be very, very sort of positive and, and, and good at planning. Um, the planning aspect is, is, is really important. Um, so, uh, so, so uh, yeah, I took on a new mentee yesterday, um, and, and she's got a certain amount of work that she needs to do and, and certain things she wants to do, achieve. And we, we looked at timescales. We looked at, you know, what, what, how long do you think? So one thing that she said, and she said, I think I probably need about a year to do this. Well, actually, that was the other way around. And I said, right, okay, then. What do you need to do in, in, in bite-sized chunks? Uh, and uh, and she went through it, and she's ended up going away, and we're potentially looking about three months to do the whole thing. But she's got a section of that to do, which she's said she's going to do in the next three weeks. Absolutely fine. So it's about, about listening. It's about planning. It's about encouraging and motivating that person to go and do it. Um, Particularly if it's something that they've been given at work. Uh, here's a task. Can you complete this task? And I want it done for next Tuesday. And then they might come to me and say, actually, I've been told to do this for next Tuesday, but I think there's a month's work. And sometimes you can talk that through. And actually, they can complete enough over the next few days to keep their management happy and they know what they're doing and how they're progressing. Um, so it's, it's actually giving them that confidence, the encouragement and the motivation to actually go and do it themselves and not just, you know, be, be sat there thinking it's going to take me, it's too difficult, this is going to take me too long. It's it like there's something, something else there. You're, you're helping uh, people plan because you said, you know, in bite-sized chunks, but you're also addressing maybe, uh, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but it came to, to my mind. 
some of their anxieties when people are presented with these big projects, you know, using the two-year example that you talked about. It's like two years to do this. Oh, my God. But then with a mentor, you can break it down and go, oh, actually, that's not so bad. I can achieve things. You know, you're, you're helping them that way. That, that's right. And, and that's what it's about. I think it's about the mentor getting enthusiastic about the subject, helping them to come up with some solutions, uh, and for them to actually go away. Uh, and, and, and the one yesterday, I said, do you, want, do you want to meet again in about six weeks and see how we're going? Oh, no, no, I want to go and do it. I, I, can we come back in three weeks? I'll have it done. And it was like, as opposed to the, the initial stages where she was just sort of a little bit frightened about what was going to happen. Um, so it's, it's really is getting the getting that person into a more confident stage so that they, they can actually go and do do it for themselves. Now, how do you go about finding a mentor? You know, in either in anything or just you know BCI. You know, how how do you go about finding one? And you know, what motivates people to want to have a mentor? Because sometimes there is the old perception of you know, a mentor is a boss who's telling you what to do. You know, that, that perception is still out there. Yeah, and, and that's where the, you've got to have that understanding of the difference between a, a coach and a mentor and a manager and, and, and a teacher. Uh, they're, they're, all, they're all slightly different. Um, but to actually go and find one, um, as I said before, potentially you might just find one in your own organisation. Uh, and, and, and a lot of organizations actually advertise that they do a mentoring scheme within the organization. So, so that's, that's probably your first starting point. If you haven't got that, the BCI is really very good at this. Um, they, they, have a, they have the mentoring scheme through the BCI. Um, and, and once you're registered with the BCI, you appear on the community directory, which is just a list of all the members. Um, and, and within that list, you can, you can tick a box that say, I would like to be a mentor, I would like to be mentored, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you are a new person in BC and you join the BCI, you can look in the community directory, you can do a search, and you can tick a box that says uh, mentor. And it will just bring you up all the people that are currently mentors within the BCI. And then... It's very simple because it's another click on a click on a box and it says send a message to the mentor and you, and that gets the conversation going. The other way that it works and I find this I use this more often um, is that as a mentor I can search for people that want to be mentored. So I can look on there to all the people and because I look on that quite regular. I can see all the ones, all the new ones that's appeared, that, that's, that's only just appeared on that list. And, and it's the same thing. I can send them a message saying, I've just noticed that you've been, you're asking for a mentor. Um, do you want to have a conversation, see what you want to try and achieve and see whether I'll be suitable for you? And then they, they respond to me. And, and, and sometimes we become a partnership and sometimes we say, actually, no, I don't think I'm the right person. Uh, but, I know somebody who might be try these. So it's the the, the whole scheme with the BCI is is, is very useful for, for doing that. How would you know if you're the right mentor uh, for someone? Is, is there some sort of criteria? Is it 
something that they're asking about that you don't know about in the industry or, you know, how, how do you know that, hey, I'm not the right person or I am the right person? All right. So they, they, the first initial conversations that you have is about what they want to try and to, to achieve. And uh, for instance, a couple of years ago, uh, I had one person come to me that wanted to uh, learn about business continuity, but also wanted to learn about uh, corporate risk. Uh, and corporate risk is not one of my particular areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did with that, uh, I, I, I knew somebody else that was really into that. Um, and we, we both mentored this person, um, one, one for myself for BC and the other person for risk. Um, and, and doing it that way, she got two mentors. But you, on that initial conversation, you get to know somebody, you get to know what, they, what they're wanting to do. You, and you also get a feel for that. Are they going to be the right person? Are you going to get on all right? You've got to be able to talk to each other. You've got to be able to trust each other. And you have to build that trust up. And, and you know, it's, it's all about just just getting on with somebody. And if sometimes you might get, you know, three months down the line and you might actually be saying, well, I don't think this is really working. I think it might be better with somebody else. Um, and that's fine. Um, because you need to you need to have that two way flow all the time, uh, and you've got you've got to be able to talk to each other. So it, it's acceptable to have to to be able to have more than one mentor, depending on the subject. Then, right? absolutely no problem at all. Um, just uh, just been working with somebody uh, <clears throat> down in Florida that uh, has. Uh, has been trying to achieve a specific thing, and I think she's got four mentors at the moment. Wow. Um, but for the one, the thing that she wanted to do recently, then I was the one that was, was best placed to help. Oh, interesting. Um, how do you... Uh, i, I got to put a positive spin on this. How do you know when you've come to the end of her mentoring ship? And I, I, I don't mean, you know, kind of what you touched on, you know, that, uh, um, you know, it's not working out. But how do you know you've come to the end, you know, like, hey, you don't need any more mentoring type thing? No, so obviously, obviously, to start with, you have your initial objectives and you work through those. And, and after a period, maybe six months, 12 months, you, you get to a stage where you've achieved all that. And you, you, you're still talking about what do you want to do next? How do you want to achieve that? Um, and and then what you do is is you say, well, actually, do you still want me to mentor you in relation to anything else, or do you want to go it alone now for a while? But I always leave it that if ever if ever you want to get in touch with me, I'll, I'll always be at the end of the phone. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I've just had one this morning who I mentored for about three years in total. Um, who's just been uh, away from work for, for over over a year. Um, and she actually just sent me a message this morning saying, can we start the mentoring sessions again? Um, she's, she's got a slightly different job to what she had before. Um, and, and so it's, it's all, uh, it, you know, that's how it is. It's, things change. Um, so... Uh, and I always leave it with them and say, right, okay, if you need any, if you need any more help, just get in touch. 
Um, but otherwise, you know, I'll just monitor what you're doing. Um, and by that time, you've got your your connections on on your social media sites and everything else. You know them. You know how to get in touch with them, uh, and you can sort of watch how they're progressing anyway. Um, and 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 again, if you know, if I saw somebody who, who was trying uh, trying to do something, I might just ring them up and say, Are you "All right with that," um, because you know that's that's how it is really. It's, yeah. You build up that. It's not. It's a professional relationship, but you become you become friends, you become mates over the, over a period of time, uh, because you talk to them so so regularly. Oh, nice. And on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment today. We are talking with Russ Paramore about the BCI, CPD, and mentoring. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you found your organization's North Star? Strategy execution is important to the long-term success of your business. Now you can find out if your strategy execution is working or if you can improve it. Listen to the North Star with William Ulrich. Each program can show you where things are working and where you might be falling short. Once you've identified the best strategy, we can identify how to implement it and make it work for you. Tune in Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. 
and welcome back to the show. Today we are talking with Russ Paramore. Russ, uh, in the first segment uh, earlier in the show, you talked and mentioned about uh, Fire Chiefs Council. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, okay. So the, the, the National Fire Chiefs Council is, is basically a body of uh, senior fire officers in the UK. Uh, and through that body, they, they govern um, uh, and, and um, deliver a lot of uh, plans and, and ideas and strategies that go out to all fire chiefs and, and they, they, each fire chief can implement things usually as they want to, um, but it's, 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 it's a, a big national organisation. It links into the, the Home Office, uh, into government, uh, and it, basically that, that's the, the, the link between the, the UK government and all the fire and rescue services. The National Fire Chief Council have uh, a lot of different working groups, as you, as you can imagine, uh, and one of those working groups is the Business Continuity Group. Um, which uh, is a, a group that I chair. Um, so, and I've been chairing that now for almost six years. Uh, so it's, it's uh, the invitation is for every fire and rescue service in the UK, which is 50 services, to have representation within that group. Uh, and then we can, we can talk about all the business continuity issues that are happening uh, and, uh, and, and potentially going to happen, and we, we make plans and we do everything like that. Um, so we, we've sort of been running at about 25 people turning up for a meeting, um, which was, was sort of okay, but it wasn't getting that real buy-in. Um, but then, of course, what happened was COVID came along, mm. um, and COVID was really important for us because all the services were then direct, you need to do this, you need to do that. We were talking as a group about what we thought and we were feeding back in to say, these are the ways forward, these are the things we need to be doing nationally. Um, so over the, over the last uh, nine, 10 months now, uh, we're actually getting in excess of 40 people to each meeting. And we're now, we're now actually meeting once a fortnight uh, because it's like been really busy. Um, so, so that's what the group's about. That's about uh, you know sharing and getting a consistent standard throughout the whole of uh, of the UK fire and rescue. Just, just out of curiosity, the business continuity topics you talk about—it's just for the fire services, or do you take some of that learning and uh, take that to uh, communities and/or organisations? Do you get involved? Yeah. We, we do that. What we, what we try and do is discuss relevant topics uh, within the group. Um, and and that, can be, that can be anything. That, that's, it could be uh, business interruptions that's occurred, how people have coped with them, how we're preparing for other things. Each of the fire services then go back to their own service and they're able to spread that information throughout their own service and take back the bits that are in, in, in useful. And we also, in the UK, we have something called local resilience forums. The local resilience forums are regionally based. So if I go to our South Yorkshire local resilience forum, there will be all our local authorities. Um, there will be the ambulance service, the police, there will be health, environment agency, utilities, all those people. 
and and within those areas we also have business continuity groups so what we learn from one we take back to others and and the and it gets shared really widely but we also bring back the information from those groups and feed those back into the fire service so it's it's just part of the whole system really oh, i see now i want to ask you um because you talked about mentoring we we had a big segment there about mentoring how do you mentor individuals that are in uh, you know, fire services or police services? Um, because I'm thinking there's got to be a difference with people that are out in the field, you know, putting themselves in danger with those, you know, a person like me who sits behind a desk. You know, there's got to be a difference between uh, how, how mentoring is uh, handled there. And there's got to be different stress levels involved. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing about mentoring is that every every mentor and every mentee is different. And that's why the, the relationship's important to start with. So I've, I've got 30, 30 years experience in the police working out on the streets, working in, in difficult situations. Um, but for the last 10 years, I've worked in an office. Um, so I'm, I'm quite well placed to, to actually be able to do that Within the National Fire Chiefs Council Business Continuity Group, we've actually got our own mentoring scheme. Um, and, and just, it took us two years to, to get that off the ground. Um, and we ended up with uh, four mentors and seven mentees. That was, that was the situation at the beginning of last year. And, and that was people from different services, different parts of the country, just helping each other along. And then we got COVID-19. We've now got, and I checked this yesterday, we've now got eight mentors and we're currently mentoring 20 people. Um, that's, how, that's how it's increased. So what we've got, we've got both support staff and operational firefighters that have been brought into the business continuity remit over the last few months, over the last year. Um, some of them have got a little bit of business continuity experience. Some have just got operational experience. Some have got very little at all. And we, what, what I do as, as, as the, the chair of that group is I match the mentors with the people that need mentoring. So I've, I've got somebody in one service who was a former firefighter that then retired and came back as a, as a business continuity manager. And, and I will give him some of the people that are operational. So because he's got more of an operational, I'll take some of them myself because I understand some of the stresses and strains around the, the jobs. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite fortunate in myself in that I've got, I personally got other things. So I'm, I'm a mentor for the, uh, for, for police, uh, sorry, for fire service women in the region. Um, and, and that's involves operational people. Um, and, uh, I'm also a member of what we call our critical incident welfare support team, um, which is when, say, a fire crew go out to a particularly nasty fatal incident or something of that nature, then they can have this welfare support team. So I would go out with one other person and we actually sit and talk to them. And actually, we're not talking about the incident. We're talking about how it's affected their emotions. Now, that's, that's exactly what I, I was going to ask about. Is there a danger of, uh, you know, some of the incidents that these uh, 
we'll stick with fire, but fire personnel go through when you're trying to mentor them because, you know, mental health has got to come into play somewhere in some of these incidents, you know, and it's got to affect uh, the mentor and the mentee. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it's about what, what the critical incident welfare support is about, is about understanding what their issues may be and pointing them in the right direction for any specialist support that they may need uh, and that sort of thing, as opposed to just debriefing an incident, which is about what did we do? Did it go right? Did it go wrong? Yeah. Uh, in which case, very often not willing to say very much just in case they did it wrong and then they're going to get told off for it later. In, in the welfare support, it's not about that. It's about just getting to the bottom of what they're feeling about it. How do, how do they feel about that incident last night? How's it affecting them? Um, and and there are, we have all sorts of, there, there's follow-ups and, and there, there are ways of actually, you know, monitoring people, but it's all about pointing them to the right people and, and the right to medical advice or whatever it might be. What happens when a mentor starts feeling that anxiety from hearing, you know, these stories from a, a mentee, you know, how, how does a mentor manage that? What, what should they do? Pull themselves away from, from it? You know, or like, how, how would you deal with that? If, if, if you were mentoring me and I was, you know, Lord forbid, you know, telling you some of these terrible things that I'm going through as part of being a police officer or a fire person, how do you manage that on your side? Right, so, so personally, um, I, it's never occurred um, simply because I think you'd have to be awful to, uh, to, to actually uh, be any worse than some of, some of the things I've, I've witnessed myself. So, um, but uh, the, the mentors themselves, we, we, we have, a, we have a, a mentor group, we have, we, have a, we have a WhatsApp group that we talk to each other on. Um, and so we've always got that support for each other. Um, and the same with the Critical Incident Welfare Support Group. That, that's the same. We've got, we've got people that we can turn to. Um, so, if, if, you know, we're, we're always, we always help each other out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I know mentors help people, but sometimes the helpers, you know, need a help, helping hand, you know, yeah. as well. Um, we've only got uh, three and a half minutes left. Uh, do you have any final comments uh, for uh, a minute or two on, on either CPD mentoring or fire and rescue? Uh, I think really they all tie together very, very well. Um, business continuity, CPD, learning how to do things, the mentoring schemes, they help people to achieve what they want to achieve. Um, and, and obviously, not just for fire and rescue, but this, this goes out much wider to, to, to other organisations. Um, through the BCI, I, I mentor people in private industry. I have you know, somebody in Milan that I'm into. I've got somebody in the European Parliament that I'm mentoring. They're not, they, they, the whole thing just, just ties together really nicely. So you can, you can actually mentor people in, in any sort of walk of life, really. Um, what's really nice is actually the mentor learns an awful lot as well from the people that they're talking to. Um, so if somebody started talking to me about procedures in, in European Parliament, then actually I, I, I've got a bit of an understanding of that now because I've been dealing with somebody in, in there for, for some time. Um, 
So I think it, it's all it's all really, really important. And, and the more that we can do mentoring, the more that we can look at getting the younger, newer people completing CPD, the, the better practitioners we're going to have for the future. And that, to me, that's what it's all about, is actually making sure I've achieved what I can achieve. And, you know, my achievements now is seeing other people that, that actually do something and make an impression and win awards and everything else. Uh, I've been there, done that. I, I'm quite happy now to, to nominate other people that I've been working with and, and see them achieving things. Uh, and, and I think that's what it's about. And I think that's what the BCI is about as well. Get the newer members, get the, the younger members, bring them in early, train them properly. And, and then the future's got to be better for everybody. And I think that's a great spot to end. Russ, thanks very much. I, I really like your, your points about, you know, it's really about helping people and, you know, and they take that back and they help people. So, you know, it carries it forward. And in the end, that just makes, you know, our communities, our organizations and individuals, hopefully more resilient, more knowledgeable, and, you know, they help out everyone else. So I really uh, appreciate your time and expertise today. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, thanks for your service too in the police and fire services. You know, um, people like you, you know, we look to you. So you're a perfect mentor, you know, for a lot of people, I'm sure. Thank you for inviting me along. And to everybody who's listening and or watching, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.